All right, so going over the attributes of God, and we did this a couple of weeks ago, uh, and then we finished up Zemic last week. Uh, so I thought it'd be good just kind of review a little bit. Um, there's gonna be a, it's gonna be very quote heavy tonight, uh, just cause it's way. I mean, I guess probably just a little bit above my intellect on this a- aspect. But um, there's a lot smarter people that said a lot prettier things about it. So that's the reason why I decided to quote them. Uh, extra biblical resources we're going to use paint toes or lectures from Stephen Lawson and Tyler had run across the lectures well ran across the lectures uh, for free on Ligonier which is where I actually got mine too every once in a while they'll do a not necessarily a sale but just a free giveaway of them uh, and they're great um, I mean I've listened to them probably five or six times honestly because um, that's like I said, that's what I taught in Korea for a couple of years and then uh, just go back to them ever so often just to refresh um, but we have attributes just simply the quality or characteristic that belongs to a person so just like Chris prayed tonight um, for us to be more like God well what does that mean to be more like God well we got to know his character um, we use these things to define or describe people <clears throat> and these depths uh, of God's attributes are really unfathomable. We'll never, we'll never be able to reach uh, a complete understanding of God's holiness or God's righteousness or God's love or you, any of these attributes. You'll never reach the end of those. Um, so actively seeking and accurately understanding who God is, His attributes, will promote high and holy living. Uh, every aspect of our lives are reflective of our view of God. Um, and these are the three things that we're going to turn into our motto for, uh, this is probably going to be our motto for this series. An accurate understanding of God is foundational to how we know Him, worship Him, serve Him, and become more like Him. That's just, that's the reason why we study these things. So we can know Him, so we can worship Him, serve Him, and be more like Him. Accurately, not just in whatever our idea of who God is. We want to use His Word because uh, He has specifically told us who He is in His Word. So that's the reason why we use His Word. And <clears throat> if you remember Jordan preaching, I, don't know, I guess that's been three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, um, he quoted Tozer's uh, book, The Knowledge of the Holy. And this is the first part of this quote, I think it's what he quoted. So, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God Himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. So our thoughts about God are the most important thing about us. It's not how nice you are, how much money you make, what, how nice your family is. None of that type of stuff matters, really. If you don't have God right, none of that other stuff matters. So that's the reason why we want to make sure we think about it. And 
uh, Lawson gives the illustration of this is kind of like the continental divide, like where the rain falls on one side of the, the crest and it just flows into the Atlantic Ocean. If it falls on the other side, it goes into the Pacific Ocean. So really, you have to make sure you got God right because either it's going to go into a, a holy understanding of who God is or it's going to go into an incorrect view of who God is and it's going to diminish who you think God is. And so you really got to get God right to be able to, to worship Him correctly and serve Him correctly. So to have a high thoughts of God is to have a high and holy living. You know, if, you, if we think God's just kind of that guy, old guy, gray-haired, you know, wants to be our friend, wants to uh, pat us on the back, all that type of stuff. I mean, are we really going to pursue holiness in that? No, because everything's okay. You know, we screw up, okay, it's fine. God's going to forgive us, it's fine. So uh, we definitely got to, I mean, this whole study is just to understand who God is and make sure we've got God right in these attributes, okay? Here's another one from Tozer. The, the rest of these are from... Um, the pursuit of God. Um, it says, As we begin to focus on God, the things of the Spirit will take shape before our inner eyes. Obedience to the Word of Christ will bring it inward revelation of the Godhead. It will give acute perce perception, enabling us to see God even as He pr His promise to the pure in heart. A new God consciousness will seize upon us and we shall begin to taste and hear and inwardly feel the God who is our life and our all. They will be seeing the constant shining of the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. More and more, as our faculties grow sharper and more sure, God will become to us the great all and His presence the glory and wonder of our lives. You know, this is... I don't, I don't know, maybe 50 years from now we'll, we'll find people that write like this. But, you know, this was like back in the 40s and 50s, you know, where people really sat down and really thought about what they wrote. And they didn't just simply send it in a Instagram mess or a Facebook message. I mean, they sit down and really contemplated who God was and really contemplated uh, what they were thinking about. And there, I just thought... And that's a good way of summing things up um, as far as what it means just to start focusing on God. You know, this doesn't really doesn't go into any depth. It's just simply if you'll just start consciously pursuing God and trying to understand who God is, all these things take place. Um, so these are, this is kind of the overview. And this was at the end of chapter one of the pursuit of God. So not even really the attributes of God that like Pink's book is. This is just at the end of chapter one. Um, and I, I love prayers. I love reading people's prayers. And this was uh, the prayer at the end of that chapter. It said, Oh God, I've tasted thy goodness and has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I'm painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I'm ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray thee, that so I may know thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, 
and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow thee up from the misty lowland where I wander so long. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, that's a guy that really wants to know God. I don't pray like that. I don't start off my Bible studies with prayers like that. But this is a guy that really wants and desires to know God and just to know more about Him. You know, it's not like he's just asking to have all this intellect poured on him. He just wants to know him a little bit more, be made a little bit more thirsty for his word, and have a little bit more mercy poured out on him. So, he's, I mean, he truly is, maybe not a man after God's own heart, but a man after God. He is truly pursuing God in that prayer, wanting to just know him more. So, that's just the attributes of knowing God. We're going to get into the first, uh, the first attribute, I guess. It's called the seity of God. Um, self, um, self-existent, basically, is what it means. Um, it's just a little bit easier to say than self-existent every time. I just say a seity. And I think the Latin, like, A-S-E means, like, Self or something like that. I think that's where they get the a CD. I was like, I don't, I don't know how they get, you know, get to a CD from self-existent. But I think it has to do something with the Latin. But so God is just self-existent. We got to start there, you know, because if he if he's created, then he's not God. Okay, so we got to start with him being self-existent. So Tozer says he is real. There you go. We got to start there. He's real. He's not some figment of our imagination. Uh, he is real. In the absolute and final sense that nothing else is, all other reality is contingent upon His. So notice that our reality is contingent upon His reality. The great reality is God, who is the author of the lower and dependent reality which makes up the sum of created things, including ourselves. God has objective existence independent of, should be A, a uh, and apart from any notions which we may have concerning Him. So, God doesn't need you. Basically, that's what that says. He's not concerned. He's not looking down and saying, oh no, what does Cody think of me? It doesn't matter to God. Okay? He doesn't need us. It finds him here when it wakes from its mortal slumber in the morning of its regeneration. So the worshiping heart, sorry, the worshiping heart does not create its object. Okay? So God is God. We don't get to create God. He's not a created being. He is real. And so when we realize this, that we don't get to create God and make him up to whoever we decide he wants to be or we want him to be, then it finds him here when it waits from its mortal slumber in the morning of its regeneration. When we finally submit to who God is, that's when we finally awaken. Okay, When we finally say, you are God, you are the one true God, and you're not contingent on anybody else's or anybody else's existence or anything concerning you. You, you don't care because you've existed from eternity past. Okay, So... First um, reference to the scriptures we're going to look at here is Genesis 1 1, easiest place to go to. 
Um, I think I have all of the. I think I have all the scriptures on here today. I hope because I didn't bring my Bible in again. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, I think uh, I was watching something the other day that said you have to have uh, space, time, and matter, basically for reality, I guess, to take place, I guess, and the way we would think about it. Well, here we go. We got time in the beginning. We got created heavens and earth. So we got matter, time, everything right here is wrapped up in, you know, for an existence in Genesis 1-1. Um, space, of course, we have space there because God's created something in that space. Um, but A.W. Pink says, there was a time if time, in quotation marks, could be called when God, in the unity of his nature, dwelt alone. In the beginning, God. There was no heaven where his glory is now particularly manifested. There was no earth to engage his attention. There are no angels to hymn his praises, no universe to be upheld by the word of his power. There was nothing, no one, but God. And that not for a day, a year, or an age, but from everlasting. During eternity past, God was alone, self-contained, self-sufficient, self-satisfied, in need of nothing. Had a universe, had angels, had human beings been necessary to Him in any way, they also had been called into existence from all eternity. The creating of them, when he did, added nothing to God essentially. He changes not there for his essential glory can be neither augmented nor diminished. So, I don't think there should have been a comma there. He changes not, therefore. That's where that comma should have been. Sorry about that. Um, so, what it's saying there, if God had to have humans and God had to have angels to manifest His glory in any way, they would have had to be in existence from eternity past. Okay? If He had to have that, because, you know, we say, well, why did God create us? Well, for His glory, right? Of course. We were created for His glory. It wasn't needed for Him to have glory. He already had it. And that's why He's God. Because He did not need anything. He is the one that created all things. He was self-sufficient, self-satisfied. Self-contained. He was in need of absolutely nothing. God did not have to create heaven and earth. He did not have to put humans on this earth. We do not add anything to God. He was and is and forever will be. Anybody got questions on that so far? I mean, it's pretty clear, but... Yeah, we, we just think about, you know, going to the presence of God. But we're going into a whole different realm once we're in front of Him where there's really outside of time. What is that? What's it like to not be constrained to 24 hours in a day? I, I don't know. Um, 
And if you, I mean, this is definitely one that if you can't agree that God was the beginning, of course, we really can't sit down and have a, a conversation because you're not going to trust in anything that I say and I'm just going to think you're crazy when you think it all spun up and happened. Well, what all spun up? Like, you, I can't get past that part of it. You know, where did the matter come from? It had to be, you know, the illustration, which is not probably the best, but uh, I think Pink even uses it where, you know, if he's, if you have a savage or, you know, somebody that's never been in contact with any other civilization and they find a, a time, a timepiece, well, that was a watch. <laughs> wow, I couldn't think of a watch laying on the, on the beach or something. And they're not going to look at that and go, huh, that just, that just happened. No, they're going to look at that and say, where did that come from? Who did that come from? And that's us with the universe and everything. It's like, we can't just look at this and go, oh, it just happened. No, it was, you know, intelligently designed. Uh, there's no way we would just simply say, eh, it just happened. Just so happened it works out like that, that the same kind reproduced with the, their same kind. And, you know, how did all that work? Um, my, my favorite illustration is the a tornado comes and wipes out a town, but yet some reason it spins up a perfectly new minted Ferrari out here. How does it happen? You know, organization doesn't come out of chaos, and that's what they're, a lot of people argue. No, it was God. All eternity seemed fitting to him to create the heavens and the earth and man. Um, so we'll run through a few of them, of uh, the verses here. Exodus 3.14, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is the simplest explanation of who God is. And probably one of the easiest, or the, probably God, I would think uh, this would be his response to me. Is, Cody, who are you? I am who I am. You're too dumb to know. Just, just accept that. Like, you can't figure me out. I am who I am. You're not going to figure it out. I feel like that's kind of the, <coughs> the way God would deal with me in that if I asked a certain question like that. And then we have John 1, 1 through 5. says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Echoes... Genesis there you can see that of uh, John trying to explain uh, that Jesus was with God he is the word he is God um, so not only is I mean God has always you know been being he's everlasting will Christ alike he's been everlasting now not Jesus Christ you know he was born of a virgin here but his son has been with him in all existence from all time um, John 5, 26, For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. Um, that kind of goes to that same thing of Jesus wasn't just created when He was born of a virgin. He's always been with God. Um, all right, let's look at some Psalms here. Psalms 90, um, I think in the first four verses, says, uh, 90 verse 1 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, 
even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Notice it was it you are God. That's you are still. I am who I am. Uh, you turn mortals back into dust and say, return you sons of mankind for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by or like a watch in the night. So even the praises of the psalmist recognizes that he's always been. Um, then we have uh, Romans eleven thirty three uh, through verse 36. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became His counselor? Or who has first given to Him that it would be paid back to him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So, um, looking at that, I like this verse, I like verse 36, because it kind of explains, um, kind of just, I feel like it sums up our existence and God's existence relationship with us very well. Um, let me make sure. Let me check something out here. Okay. Yeah, so uh, just that last verse. Just looking at that last verse. For from Him, what is that? Can somebody tell me what that expresses about God and the existence of God and the relationship with us? It's really... It's, just what is the, not necessarily even just the relationship with us, but the relationship with all things. What's the relationship there with God? Like you said in that quote earlier, He's the source of all. Yeah. yeah. Everything is from God, the source of all things. Um, for from Him, that means everything. There's not a single thing that we can think of that our mind can fathom that did not come from God. Good things? What about the bad things? It had to come from somewhere. God created all things. Now, of course, we take those things and manipulate them and turn them for bad, but everything was created by God. Um, all right, and through Him, what does that tell us? This is one of those words that Joey would throw at us that I really don't like because it's a very broad word for me. Yeah, Joey would say he's the means of all things. He's the mean of it, which is kind of weird. But yeah, it's like he is the channel. He is, everything flows through him. Okay? So not only did he create it, but everything must pass through his sovereign will for anything to come about and for everything to happen. Okay? It is through him, which means that he is the means of all things. He, he's kind of like, like a gatekeeper. So you're going to let it happen? Yay, nay. So that's probably a very poor illustration because, uh, but he is the, the means of all things. And then if we said, and, and to him are all things, 
what is the what does this express about God? He is the reason, or he is the goal of all things. Yep. And what is that goal? To him be the glory forever. It is for his glory. Everything here, everything that he created was simply to bring about his glory. All right. Let's see here. We've got a few more. A couple of slides, I think. All right, 1 Corinthians 8, 5, it says, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for Him. And the one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we existed through Him. There you go. There's another. Now just uh, Romans, 1 Corinthians as well speaks of this. Yet for us there is only one God. And that's where you got to... I mean, we have um, Hindu that have like 2,000 gods. and kind of feel like they're kind of like the Egyptians of our days where they have worship thousands of gods. I don't know of many other religions that say... I'm sure they are, but I don't know of many broad-spread religions that... Uh, worship many gods now. Um, but they say, yeah, sure. I can worship your God because he's just one of our many gods. Um, no, that's... I mean, because you can't really say that you're a god if everything is not working for your own existence, for your own glory, then how are you God? Like, what puts you... What, I mean, it's kind of like a poor choice of words, I feel like, because... There's only one God. There's only one that's in control of all things, that everything exists for His glory. And if it doesn't line up with those two things, you can't really call it a God, I don't feel like. And that's the reason why we, we make ourselves out to be God a lot, because we think it's about us. Everything is to be, uh, how is it going to benefit me? How is this going to help me? Uh, and a lot of times we end up being our own little God. Um, Romans 4, 8 says, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within, the day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. So not only just creatures here on earth, but creatures in the heavenly spiritual realms, everything recognizes that God was from everlasting to everlasting. It's not even just simply us creatures here on earth. Even in the spiritual heavens there, um, the living creatures there still praise Him for being holy and everlasting. And this is, I mean, I know this is kind of one of those, you know, the seed of God. Like, we all get that. Like, we all understand that as a basic understanding of Christianity here is that, yes, God was... Creator of all things, at least in our church, you know, and a lot of the other, you know, major denominations, you know, Southern Baptists, there's still people that in the Southern Baptist Convention that will argue, maybe not that God's not the only God and existed, but, you know, that He didn't create all things, that He was not the, you know, that 
evolution has brought about other things other than what God had intended or created things to be. Uh, so we do need to make sure this is something that we do hold tight to, um, that everything is for His glory, it's through Him, it's by Him, there's no option there. It's, that's the way it is. Because if it's not, then He's not God. That's just it. He's not in control. He's not God, if that's the case. And that's the reason why this is an absolute attribute, is that it has to be this way, because this is his character. This is who he is. This is how he's designed it all, is that he did design it all. Okay? All right, and then uh, Lawson tells the story of Charles Haddon Spurgeon at the age of 20 years old gave this quote. And I'm like, 20 years old? And he became known as the Prince of Preachers. And you'll, this quote pretty much sums it up. He had a good understanding, I feel like, of who God was. He says, There is something exceedingly improving to the mind in a contemplation of the divinity. It is a subject so vast that all our thoughts are lost in the immensity, so deep that our pride is drowned in its infancy. Other subjects we can compass and grapple with, in them we feel a kind of self-content and go our way with the thought, behold, I am wise. Let's say, you know, there's some things that we can actually get an understanding of and be like, okay, I got that, I understand it. Ms. Burma, flowers, I got it, I understand it, plant them, God grows them, got it, right? I'm content with that. But he's saying, you can't ever get there with this. You can't ever get there with God. Um, but when we come to the master science, finding that our plumb line cannot sound its depth and our eagle eye cannot see its height, we turn away with a solemn exclamation, I am but yesterday and know nothing. When we come to God and just think about who God is and the divinity and him being all forever lasting to everlasting, it's almost like you come out going, man, I'm... I don't, I don't know anything about God. I mean, that's the way it really feels like. Whenever you sit down and think about that God has been from, I mean, you can't even explain it. Because we say from, from time began, yeah, but before that, and before that, and before that, I mean, God's always been, and forever will be. And so uh, Spurgeon, like I said, at 20 years old, had this, he had already understood that there's no matter how much time I spend in this topic, of trying to understand God, I'm never going to get it completely. You know, we get tidbits, um, but we'll never come uh, come to the end of it. Um, so, questions and comments about the city of God.